Hey guys, welcome back to Four Eyes, the podcast series that gives you a clear view into the optometry world across Canada and the US. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku. I'm Dr. Deepon Kar. Hi, I'm Dr. Bravinder Rindava. And I'm Dr. Alex Kuhn. Today, we'll be sharing an extensive, in-depth conversation that we had with Dr. Richard Maharaj, our very first ever returning podcast guest. Back when we did our dry eye episode with Dr. Maharaj, he brought up a topic that we've never really heard of before, the psychology of optometry. We had a brief discussion of this off the podcast, and we got really intrigued in what the psychology of optometry is all about. So we reached out and dragged Dr. Maharaj back onto our podcast to share more of his wisdom. We discuss how optometrists have this common personality type or common personality traits that can either benefit our careers, but can also become our downfalls. And these common traits also begin to reveal an interesting perspective on why optometry is beginning to shapeshift towards specialization and tiering of medical optometry and refractive care. Now, when we brought up the psychology of optometry, the status of our mental health also started to join the conversation. So in the second half of this episode, we start to talk with Dr. Maharaj about mental exhaustion and burnout that's currently present, not just in our profession, I'm sure in a lot of people, um, but we're sticking really close to the optometric profession in today's uh, conversation. And we also kind of go over what strategies we've either done already or what strategies we need to start doing in order to conquer those feelings together as a group and get over the um, feeling of burnout and mental exhaustion together. So let us know your thoughts about today's episode by giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment on our IGTV post um, because we really hope you all enjoyed the conversation today and we love getting feedback from our listeners all the time. So without further ado, here's our episode. Right. So how's everybody doing? We're good. We're We're good. good. We're just hanging in there. We just started actually recording for our newest season of the podcast. So we purposely took off the holidays and just to relax and be at home with family. And so now I think I'm feeling more productive now because now I'm doing something (laughs) outside of work. So recharged. Yeah, I kind of do. Well, I don't know. We're kind of half and half. That's why we're really excited to talk to you today because the things that you mentioned in that email was exactly what we've all been talking about now for the past week that we've reconnected with a podcast. Like there's, there's just a lot of emotions going on that yeah no one's talking about. And, and finally we talked about it and we're like, okay, so we're not alone. Like we all feel almost that same kind of burnout mm-hmm. and still some anxiety. Like how long is this going to last? Is our job going to pick up? Is it going to slow down more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah, no, you're, 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 I'm glad that you guys are, you have each other, first of all, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And that's a, a good resource to hang on to. And sometimes you do need to have, you know, the relevance, I guess, of what you're going through, seen through other people to, uh, to make it mean something. So, yeah, I guess one of the things that we can kind of start off with is, is, you know, over the course of the last 
I'd say three or four years, I was working on this lecture that um, that kind of focused really on where optometry, where our, where our roots were, and looked at it for, in the context of sort of our, our, our profession psychology, right? And so that's kind of where, you know, we can kind of start tonight, because I've always thought that, you know, looking back and understanding where we come from individually helps us understand, you know, the context that we see the world in right now and also helps us to kind of frame our future. So why not apply that to our profession, right? Just to understand. Mm -hmm. So there was a study in, I think it was in 2003 that examined the um, personality. Well, there was a few other traits that they looked at, but one uh, such trait was the personality trait. Are you guys familiar with the, um, the Myers-Briggs personality test. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this, this study was done out of Nova and they looked at different professions, medicine, dentistry, uh, OT, and uh, a few others. And optometry was one of them. There was about 207, I think 207 optometry students mm-hmm. and they examined their personality profiles. And what they found was that the prevailing personality was, and again, I said this in the email that I sent you, but this is not meant to pigeonhole us, but the prevailing personality was one that was quite agreeable. It was the ISFJ personality. And uh, one, you know, a couple of sound bites here for the ISFJ is we are agreeable by, by default. We are kind in excess. Uh, We tend to put people before us. We are collectors of information. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you kind of look at those different facets and you think about like, think about the four of the, well, there's three, three, four of us right on, on that. I can see on my screen. Oh no. I see <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could do about, math. <laughs> <laughs> but like, think of the four of you and think yeah. of what I just mentioned and how does that really, does that fit? Do those personality traits fit? And they probably yeah. do to some degree. So, you know, I kind of applied that and looked at us. Okay. So we, we are agreeable people. And, and, and generally speaking, you know, I think of the optometry profession at large as the Canadians of, of the three O's, right? Like we're very, very nice. We're so nice, mm-hmm. yeah. almost nice to a fault. And, um, you know, our, our, our position in the hierarchy of those O's, we're right in the middle. We're like the middle, the middle child, so to speak. And if you think about how we've progressed until now and are looking forward, we're seeing a lot, especially right now, we're seeing far more um, diversification of, of what we do, right? So we're, you're seeing subspecialties sort of sprouting, even though they're unofficial and unrecognized necess- necessarily, but they're, they're, they're sh- sh- you know, sprouting up. Like, so for me, for instance, ocular mm-hmm. surface disease is my interest. Yeah. We have, you know, vision therapy, there's low vision, there's myopia control, myopia management. So suddenly we're diversifying. And, and part of that may stem from our collective ability to, you know, although we want to push scope boundaries, we've always been pushed back, yeah. you know, by ophthalmology, by medicine in general. Mm-hmm. So instead of sort of pushing through an hi- hierarchy, we're now starting to diversify. We're starting yeah. to stratify outwards, mm-hmm. right? So I love dry disease. You guys know that. I love ocular surface disease. Yeah. I don't love it because it's something to love. I love it because I'm passionate about it. And I have it myself. And so we're all finding our voices. It's very reflective of the personality type that I mentioned, that ISFJ. So it's kind of interesting to, to recognize that and see how that applies to your own practice, 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, the profession at large, how does that play into, you know, for instance, in a, in a primary care practice where you're dispensing uh, spectacles and contact lenses, do you feel guilty about selling eyewear? Do you feel guilty? Is there a guilt side of things that might prevent us from, you know, making the best recommendation because we think mm-hmm. it costs too much or, you know, whatever all the, the time. Is. I will say all like, I even feel bad, you know, prescribing medications for my patients for like, like anti-allergy meds. Yeah. Especially older people too. Like when they can't, we, you know, they can use preservative free, it's going to be better for them, but then it's costly. Right. And then you're just like, well, this is good for you, but are you willing to spend like $30 on a bottle too? Right. Like, yeah. right. and then you feel bad. And then, you know, I try to give as many samples as I can, but yeah. at the same time. <laughs> so actually, you know, what? I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you just for a quick question. So when yeah. you, when you say that to yourself, right, when you hear yeah. yourself saying it's $30 for the bottle, you know, can you afford that? How do you reconcile that in your head before you decide that you're going to make the recommendation? So like, how do you go, what, what's your process that you go through to decide whether or not, patient can or cannot afford the $30. And I'm not saying this to be facetious. I'm, I think for everybody, it it's different. And it took me a while in my early my career, I, I had a different answer mm-hmm. than I do now. But I'm curious, how do you guys reconcile that? At what point do you decide? Yes, I'm going to tell them, you know, the bottle costs $30. I mean, for me personally, because I work at different clinics, I have different demographics, right? So I get a lot of like what we call IAs, um, Indian Affairs, um, yep patients and then we get a lot of seniors who are also on you know pension plans Mm -hmm. so I know in those clinics the moment I say okay we have some art these are some eye drops I want to like you know recommend and you can kind of see a little bit pushback it's like oh okay like you know oh like can I get that uh, another day I'll come back or you Mm -hmm. know is that really what I need so then I'm a little bit hesitant to be like especially in that clinic to say, oh, here's a drop for you. Yeah. Right. Whereas my other clinics where I work at the West Edmonton mall, where, you know, there's more younger patients, they're willing to spend the money there. I just, if I feel like they need it, I say it. For me, I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes patients will reveal that. Yeah. I don't, I can't afford much right now. Or even with students, I kind of already make a judgment like, okay, you're a student and you're probably eating ramen noodles every night anyways (laughs) you really need a 30 dollar drop right now i don't know um and then the same thing that rav was saying i i'm trying to get better at it now where i'm not thinking about how much people are making or and i just try to give Mm -hmm. my or i try to educate them on the Mm -hmm. treatment and then i still let them know how much the drops are whatever the uh price of the treatment is um and then see what the response is and kind of work with them at Mm -hmm. that point i don't know i think this is where like communication becomes really important just connecting with your patient and trying to figure out how you can help them even though Mm -hmm. they might not be able to Mm -hmm. afford the treatment right then so it's like how do you want to tell them how i can help you or what's good for you without sounding like a salesperson yeah Yeah. it's hard to find those tones sometimes because then some patients look at you like oh you just want to make money you're just you know trying to sell me this but a lot of the time that's not it you know that's that's really interesting and 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 
again, not uncommon at all, especially with the students that come through the office. You know, I spend a lot of time kind of going through, uh, you know, my learnings from early in my career to where I am now. And, and you, you all raise, you know, I think relevant and, and consistent points. But, you know, I would, I would challenge that in saying that I always think about, number one, what is the voice inside of my head telling me, right? Uh, and then number two, what would I want if I were on the opposite side of the chair? And it comes down to a question of, I guess, belief or knowledge of, of what it is that you're recommending. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're being honest, that should be where it stops, mm-hmm. right? That really should be, look, I know that Timolol is going to bring your pressure down mm-hmm. and you're not on a beta blocker and, 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 and we can prescribe it. I know it's going to work. So am I going to think twice? No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole slew of other things that because we're not the ones dispensing it, we'll happily, you know, write it out when it comes to the stuff that we are responsible for. And I'm going to just focus on products, right? So products in particular, we have a problem with. So, you know, let's just dive into that, for instance. You know, by the way, in in Denmark, right, the Danish don't have a word for please. I need to move there. (laughs) And it's one of the happiest places in the world. I mean, if you look at any, you know, uh, uh, quality of life study, you'll see Denmark is way up there. So anyways, um, we think about products and as optometrists, we have products and we have services. And I've talked about this a lot mm-hmm. and I'll continue to, because I think those two things need to be differentiated in, in, in what we do. And I think if, you know, going back to the psychology of us being agreeable, I think in general, we want an egalitarian outcome. We want our patients to have equal access, right? Mm-hmm. I want my octogenerational patient to have the same access and the same care as my millennial, which Mm -hmm. everybody here on the call, except for me is, (laughs) Um, you know, I want everybody to have access. And I think we all want that egalitarian outcome. Well, here's the thing. If Jeff Bezos has a Netflix account and I have a Netflix account, we both have the exact same product. We have Mm -hmm. the exact same experience. I'm on Netflix. He's on Netflix. There's no difference. That's egalitarian. But Jeff Bezos, and I guess now Elon Musk is now the richest person in the world, but Jeff Bezos (laughs) probably had, well, forget it. Elon Musk has, has fantastic (laughs) vehicles. He's got a rocket ship at his disposal. He can pay for a car or vehicle or a plane that none of us at this point in our lives, at least can. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in experience there because it's a product related uh, purchase. So it's less egalitarian. So products are less egalitarian. Services are very egalitarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at optometry, if a patient comes in for a glaucoma workup or a dry workup in my office or a low vision workup, there is a fee for that. And mm-hmm. no matter who you are, that is the fee. Yeah. And no matter who you are, you are going to have the exact same workup. But if you're in my office, well, not my office, but if you're in an optometry office and you're looking at the frame board, right, and there's Gucci to the left and there's, there's you know, Lindbergh in the center and, and down at the bottom, there's, you know, your, your, your value frames, each of those different products is going to yield a different outcome. Mm-hmm. It becomes a signal, right? There's, it's, it's what we call a status signal. So products are more of a status signal and services are not. And I think that in general, as optometrists and perhaps even as, as just humans of the world, we want an, an equal outcome. 
but we're, 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 there's a bit of dissonance uh, in terms of making these recommendations that are more uh, consumption oriented and uh, status oriented that I think conflicts with our want and desire to uh, do what's best by our patients. I think there's an inherent conflict there and I'm not saying it's wrong. And, and I want to make sure when, you, you know, our listeners out there are probably going to, I've gotten skewered for this before. And I don't really care, but um, you know, I'm not saying that dispensing is wrong. I'm saying that there is probably a dissonance that we need to at least acknowledge before we can do it uh, uh, appropriately and honestly with ourselves. Because when I heard each of you talking about the eye drop, you know, every sentence that each of you said, said, I feel this patient mm -hmm. will look at me this way. I'm not sure if they're going to pay for it. I don't know if they're going to be happy with the outcome. Mm -hmm. Each one of those sentences was something that you each have inside of you. And I have as well that we're projecting onto our patients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. yeah. Anyways, that was the, the thought bubble that, that, mm. that kind of alluded to me a few yeah. years ago. I like that you brought up the type of personality of an optometrist because I feel, well, I shouldn't say I feel anymore, but thinking about, you have to name your feelings and I talk know, about it. it. <laughs> so thinking about that, you know, my personality outside of work, outside of my career is fairly different from what you just described. But when I'm in my office and I'm at clinic and I'm at work and I'm in front of a patient, that's my personality, what you just described. Can you clarify that? So sorry, when you're in your office, what's your personality type? What's more like an optometrist, like the, the average optometrist, uh, the I person, see. the ISJF. And... Yeah. 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 That is more my personality in clinic and in front of my patients. But then when I'm home with my mm friends and family, I feel that I have a different personality and I've taken the personality test and yeah. I have different characteristics and different sure. traits. We all do. Yeah. We don't fit mm -hmm. into a box. No way. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting. And I, and I guess, you know, after a few years in practice, I've kind of realized that that dissonance, mm -hmm. you know, with, 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 with my, my, my work life and my home life, having dissonance there didn't really work well with me. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to be reflective and be a bit more introspective yeah. Um, because, you know, the closer you can get to, to, you know, your own kind of personal traits, yeah. easier it is to practice. Yeah. Oh, yes. That just I means that should be nicer to my family. And my <laughs> I think, Amory, you, I feel like you do follow those, follow those traits, like the typical yeah. optometrist uh, traits, like you are, like you would go out of your way to help your family and your friends. You have done that for us. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess like, but you, like I'm, I go out of my way in a more aggressive way. Yeah, but that's still going but like not way. in front of my patients. I won't throw the drop in their face and be like, you have to take this, but I'll do that <laughs> to my dad and my mom. And I'll just yeah. throw the drop in their face and be like, take this now. But, yeah. Well, you would get sued if you did that to your patient. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> But I was just going to ask, like, how do you think these, you know, these safe, conservative personality traits can affect our careers in the future, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship? Because I feel like optometry, the profession um, involves a lot of entrepreneurship and taking a lot of risks. But if we're agreeable and like have this kind of introverted personality and we're kind of afraid of taking risks and try to make everyone else happy, how do we kind of overcome that? Being a 
agreeable, you know, it has its uh, drawbacks, I suppose, but it's not all bad. Being agreeable means that you, you end up being very empathetic and empathy mm -hmm. is, you know, it's one of the things that I call a specialized knowledge. Not everybody has empathy. Uh, I even made a joke in a couple lectures. I'm like, look, if you're not empathetic, outsource that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get a staff member that can be empathetic. Yeah. But it is specialized knowledge, particularly in the dry sphere, that you need to have. And so don't, you know, second guess that. But how will it impact you or how can it impact you? Well, first of all, recognizing the guilt against making a dollar is misplaced. Mm -hmm. We went to school for quite a while. We trained, we did gain specialized knowledge. We are offering uh, and providing a very necessary service, particularly now. And there is no reason that that doesn't have value or isn't even recognized as having value. Okay. And more so that value needs to come unapologetically. So if we start to put our, um, our sense of, of wanting to be liked by our patients first, then you're putting one foot in the coffin of your practice. Yeah. Like those are, I find some of the, the, the areas of conflict, personal conflict that, that mm -hmm. people have, they struggle with. Yeah. Right? There's a saying that I, I, I found to be very useful. It's good to be patient with results and impatient with action. So when it comes to owning a practice and starting a practice, the agreeable person will kind of wax and wane and hum and haw about decisions Generally speaking, we will delay on making important decisions that need action now, but we'll mm -hmm. want results right away. Yeah. And we actually have that flipped. You got to flip the script. So you got to actually do things right away. Don't give it a second thought. Do things right away and then be patient with the results. We're also diligent. Uh, I think being diligent with our actions is, a, is an important step to, to take. And, and you can apply that to every little thing. Yeah. I am like the option doctor. <laughs> like, like I will, I will sit with That's my catchy. patient. <laughs> Pardon? That's catchy. I'm the option. I am. Doctor. I am the option. I I kid you not. I think doctor for option. every every patient I have, if it's ten patients a day, I will sit with all ten of them and be like, "Listen, this is what I found. So we could do this. We could do this. Or if you really want, we could do this. I'm okay with all three. What do you think? And then the patient will be like, I'm sorry, what was the first option? And I'll be like, <laughs> it kind of goes back to when we were discussing, like we make assumptions about, about our patients that, you know, maybe they can't afford things. I am the option doctor because I always give my patients the free option for something. So either, you know, no treatment, we monitor, go home, warm compresses or something, you know, cold compress the like middle option, you know, do some home therapy plus maybe go over the counter and purchase something here, there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you really want to just go right into it and not waste any time, you can pay the more money and get a really good high-end product that'll get the job done fast. Which one did <laughs> like do the, do the, I'll literally do the dance. Like which one do you want to do? And they'll kind of sit there like, I don't know. What do you think? I, I'm not direct with my decisions either. Too many. Yeah. No, I, I agree with Amrit. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I think this was kind of a hard thing for like as a new grad, yeah. it's kind of something that we're all kind of grappling with just because 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel like patients think we're young and they're like, do you know what you're doing? Or yeah. you know what I mean? Like you always have these thoughts in your head. So you're like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I'm just going to pre- present all these options to you and let's work together to figure out what you want to <laughs> yeah. do. And it's like, uh, like I had a patient tell me like, okay, why don't you tell me what to do? You yeah. went to school for this long. <laughs> yes. Like what you were saying before. And I just had to remind myself like, like, oh, I you're right. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah. Like, wait a That's, minute, this is what we're going to do. This is when you're going to come back and we're going to see if it's going to help. And then we're going to go from there. And I'm like, yeah. does that sound like a plan? And he was like, yeah, that sounds great to me, doc. Like whatever you want yeah. me to do. That yeah, patient, so, re- remember that patient. That I know. patient just taught you a really good lesson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it becomes a false equivalent when you give yeah. the patient the option. You're yeah. assuming that they can not only digest what you've just told them, mm-hmm. but they can assimilate it to the knowledge that they have. Yeah assuming that they understand the breadth of the knowledge that you have behind you to even give them those three options. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have it. What you're really doing is you're divesting yourself and you're trying to kind of take the pressure off of you to make that decision. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but that <laughs> yeah. is our job. Our yeah. job is to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Especially when it comes to like glaucoma, right? Like glaucoma is so sure. tricky. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> every time I'm like looking at the results, I'm like, Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have glaucoma or not? <laughs> yeah. My rule of thumb is just bring them back. Bring them back. Yeah, bring like, them All back. Right, let's do another follow up. You know, until we're yeah. solid that this is glaucoma. Yeah. And I yeah. think a lot of it comes from just us not wanting or wanting to be likes. Like we don't want mm-hmm. to make the patient feel uncomfortable or anything yeah. like that. So we're like, oh, how do we make you feel comfortable? Let's just give you all these options and mm-hmm. you decide what you want to do. So you'll like us and you'll come back yeah. to us. But it's kind of hard to put yourself in the patient's perspective when you have mm-hmm. all these other kind of thoughts going through your head. Sure. But yeah, it's interesting. So Dr. Maharaj, you just kind of um, brought up a transition into something that we wanted to ask you about next you just talked about pretty much, you know, working with patients until you feel like you're about to explode. And so (laughs) (laughs) one of the words of, I guess, 2021 right now is mental exhaustion or burnout. And, you know, you mentioned to us earlier that many ODs, especially on ODs on Facebook, uh, took a survey and, you know, a lot of ODs are also feeling this burnout, anxiety, depression right now, especially during the pandemic. And so what do you think, in your opinion, should optometrists be doing to acknowledge those feelings of burnout? And, you know, what can we do to help each other kind of get through those motions? Yeah, I mean, I think this is, uh, this is very much an elephant in the room type of conversation. So I'm Mm -hmm. really glad that you guys were kind of struck that chord when I uh, uh, we talked about it earlier. I think the first thing, first of all, is doing exactly what you just said and what we're doing tonight, which is just talking about it. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic in March, or it was April, I guess, on uh, one of the other programs that I put on, we, we had uh, a session we call the echo pandemic. And we talked about, you know, the, the mental health piece to the pandemic. And it kind of skirted around, well, how is it, how is it going to affect optometry and healthcare practitioners. We had a social worker on the program as well, who kind of helped to unpack that a little bit. Um, But here we are, you know, nine months later, and I've had, I can't even, I mean, it's been so many colleagues that have reached out to me and and kind of just expressed their, their worry, their discontent. I mean, it's gone to extremes. I've had some patients that are like, look, I'm done. 
I'm literally packing it wow. in. And, and I know a couple that have um, some older practitioners that are, that had legitimate fear and they decide to retire, close their practice. Some younger docs like yourselves, whose schedules they know aren't going to get filled. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do? I mean, I, I, I bought a, I have a mortgage now. And so, I mean, we have this, this massive infrastructure that each of us has behind us uh, compounded with this, this pandemic and the unknown. And, you know, I think in general, especially you guys, I mean, doing this podcast, I can tell that you are, you know, creatures of, of, of habit of doing something of being in motion mm-hmm. and the idea of being in pause sometimes can, can mess with us a little bit because yeah. when we're functional, when we're building something, whether it's a podcast or a practice or fixing a patient, we feel fulfilled by that. In fact, we might even measure our success by that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And when we're not able to do that, or when we're, we're curtailed by a pandemic as, as it were, then suddenly our measure of success and therefore our, our own personal feelings of self-worth worth start to get compromised, but you don't always recognize that. So, you know, when you ask, you know, what can we do? I think talking about our experiences with each other, with your peers is a great place to start because look, I have a wonderful wife. My kids are great. I love them. I have great friends that aren't in the profession, but I can sh- assure you that the conversation that we're having tonight will never happen in any one of those yeah. uh, conversations because there's a, there's a level of knowledge and, and uh, respect, I guess. And also just, you know, mutual experience that we all bring to the table that makes it feel a little bit more normal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that feeling of normal, I think, is what we're all looking for and hoping for. So talk to your peers, number one. And number two, if you're even, you know, kind of remotely close to being somewhat of a, of a leader or, or a person of influence in your community, then reach out to your peers, all of them, uh, as, as, mm-hmm. as far and as wide as you can, and ask them, hey, look, what's going on? How's it going? Like, just simply that. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. because, because you'd be surprised how many people just want to be asked that right now and are like, oh, and yeah. suddenly it's like word vomit. <laughs> <laughs> it's that was us like all week. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You know, I'm curious, like what, what's, what's been going on with you guys? Like, that's really what I, I'm curious about because I want to see if it's consistent with what everybody else is saying. Yeah, I, I think I think when the no, pandemic started, uh, Deepon was probably the most anxious. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know. Like I feel like so there's a quote that you have on your Instagram where you say produ- productivity is like an adrenaline rush. There's a burst and then there's a quiet. Enjoy the silence. So for me, I just I think productivity is what. I think is so important. Like, I'm like, okay, I should be busy. I should be doing something. Um, this person's doing this. I should be doing that there. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's comparison. There's this feeling of constantly being busy. Always Um, on the go. Yeah. And then I, I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages too. Like there's these podcasts that say, yeah, no, take a breath, calm down, like enjoy the silence. But then there's other resources that are like, you want to be an entrepreneur? You got to be working 12 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason, or that's how you're going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this is the life. This is a yeah. true entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, well, it's 1 a.m. So I guess I'll start reading some stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And then that just gives you more anxiety. So 
it's like I feel like I'm getting contradictory messages from mm. the same people who are saying like, oh, be less productive, enjoy your life. But then at the same time saying like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, like I'm going to be busy all the time. Yeah. So and then now with the pandemic and stuff, I I don't honestly, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I'm just kind of I feel like I'm just like waiting for yeah. something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, like, I don't know. Like, I think we're all waiting feeling. for something. Yeah. It's like, like we don't know what outcome something. we're waiting for. Yeah. Mm. Like waiting. I don't know. And it's, yeah. I just haven't felt like myself since mm-hmm. or like since the pandemic started, but it's just mm-hmm. this weird feeling of like, oh, I'm just going to wait until this happens or I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait and then everything yeah. will be okay after this. Right. But I don't know exactly what I'm waiting for. And it's just as you're putting a lot of, you're putting a lot of pressure on your future, right? Like you're, yeah, like you're waiting for something. You're, you're expecting something to happen, but it's possible that the the thing that's supposed to happen is happening. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think about like when you guys are in, I mean, it's (laughs) not doing this now, but when you're in a store waiting for, (laughs) so like if you're in a Starbucks line or whatever, and you see a person there that's not that doesn't have their phone in their hand that's literally just standing there staring. I'm jealous of them. I do that. <laughs> I'm like, look I do at that, that calm. Look at that calm that? over their can face. Can every one of you do that I, without reaching I do for that. your phone, without like reaching yeah. your pocket? Yeah. Good. I, I purposely I have forced myself, not forced myself. I mean, I, I remind myself to do that for little things when I'm sitting in a chair waiting for something. So like if I had a doctor's appointment, I usually sit in the chair and I just people watch or I just, you know, kind of look around and I do that at like when I'm getting my blood, blood samples taken, uh, a Starbucks line. You do that often? I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I have, yeah, I ha- I take medication. So I, I get my blood taken every like three months. Okay. okay. So when I do have those little moments, I do put my phone away, but I, that's, that's when I notice and I get, so I don't know why I'm shocked that everyone else is on their phone, but really it's huge. Like when you're sitting there and you're the only person in a room of 50 people all sitting in waiting chairs and you're the only one not looking at a phone, it's, mm-hmm. it's mind blowing. Like it's yeah. shocking, but I do it yeah. sometimes. That yeah. imagery would give me anxiety because I'd be like, why is everyone else on their phone? What am I missing? Yeah. What happened on CNN? And I'm yeah. like looking on or what happened in like, you know, sports or something. And I'm like, what am I missing out on? And then I've I'll had to like train myself to do it phone. though, for sure. Like, yeah, it's you, have to be, you have to actually actively calm down, right? You have to actively yeah. not look there. And that, I think that's also very telling. So when we talk about, you know, our colleagues, uh, uh, you know, kind of going through this sort of mental fatigue, this, mm-hmm. this, this downtime or burnout as it were. I mean, burnout is a whole other thing too, because it's, it's, we're dealing with constantly changing protocols, uh, uh, whether you're managing staff or even if you're not a practice owner, you can, you know, anybody right now that's dealing with a patient is doing it in such a, a different environment that, yeah, if you're not prepared or used to handling this type of dynamic, changing dynamic on a regular basis, it can really mess with you. And so, yeah, yeah, I think first talking about it is the first Mm -hmm. thing, recognizing it, right. Recognizing your thoughts. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Amr, when you mentioned that you're sitting in the waiting room and, and, and you're not having your phone, you're at that point, you're, you're recognizing your thoughts. You're, you're, you're listening to yourself. I, I, I don't know if anybody, do you, have you guys heard of Sam Harris? 
He's got a podcast. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of podcasts. Podcast called uh, Waking Up. It's a it's like a mindfulness uh, mm-hmm. a podcast, and it's wonderful. I, I really like it. I've been doing it for a long time, and we all think about ourselves as this sort of human being behind our eyes, right? You think of yourself as a person behind your eyes looking out at the world, when in fact your eyes, our eyes, the reason why we chose a profession is because they're fascinating, but our eyes are really just the that sort of window to the world. But the fact is that our thoughts rise and fall through influences that are all around us and influences that we don't have a lot of control over. Mm-hmm. So when you take a moment to understand or to listen to where your negative thoughts are coming from, when they're arising. So as an example, you know, uh, yesterday I, I, I got up and kids were getting ready for their online school. And of course, my son, his computer, something glitched there. My daughter, her computer had the same problem. My wife's at home doing her online uh, programs as well. Everybody's computers were glitched. I left the house and it was, I was just like frantic. I get to the office and of course, one of my staff is like, oh, I, I, I'm you know, running 20 minutes behind. I had treatments lined up at the beginning. Everything's behind. That's the context of the beginning of my day. By the end of the day, <laughs> patient had wandered from the other clinic to ours and they were giving our staff a hard time. I had just come off of that morning, glitches in my head. I was yeah. just, I knew I was not, don't mess with me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and this patient was messing with my staff and I felt, you know, it was getting under my skin. I walked up to the patient. I told my staff, okay, you know, I'll take over from here, which I never do. And, yeah. I'm, and I was trying to diffuse the situation, but I felt myself getting more agitated. And as soon as I felt that I recognized it. And then I just started to talk to the person about where they're from. I changed the subject, but for a while there, for a moment, that person would have been in trouble because that was a, that was yeah. a snap. <laughs> um, but you have to listen to yourself and understand the context of what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a, a good uh, a good habit to to sort of build in is to constantly take a second and, and try to listen to yourself and listen where those thoughts are. Yeah. Um, and understand, yeah, if there's anxiety that's coming, well. It's going to permeate. It's this big cycle, right? Yeah. You know, what you bring to the table will eventually kind of come back. I really like that, <clears throat> what you just said. And it kind of goes along with what you posted on one of your posts. You talked about like being mindful of your surroundings <clears throat> and your origin of thought. And it reminded me of the movie, The Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. And, you know, how it talks about like also this whole algorithm that these like social network like apps use, you know, like if they calculate how long you have been like looking at a certain post or what type of material you're attracted to mm-hmm. or who you're following. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on all that, all this like stuff on your search page on Instagram shows up according to what you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this, puts these little thoughts in your heads where, for example, you're, you know, being surrounded by like other ODs, like, you know, mm-hmm. especially during this pandemic, you see other ODs kind of like doing things, right? Like, yeah. you know, the whole productivity thing, right? You see them yeah. like creating websites, you see like other people see as like, oh, these people created a podcast or oh, like they're doing mm-hmm. so much while I'm not doing anything, yeah. you know? And then it's, it's this spiral that happens yeah. that it, it causes your brain to start thinking things and these thoughts that come up, whereas you feel like you undermine yourself. 
you yeah. feel like your accomplishments are nothing yeah. and you're kind of unworthy. And mm. ever since I watched that movie, The Social Dilemma, I have been more conscious of what I watch. And then I always try to think about when I do have these thoughts, why I'm having these thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, we are doing so good with our podcast, but then still, you know, we see we're still surrounded by so many influencers, right? Like we see so many people doing so many good things and like, yeah. you know, they're making out there, they're making money on their podcast. We're like, how come we're yeah. not doing that, right? <laughs> like and with that comparison still. Yes, that comparison. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah. And it's always there, like, you know, where you see someone who's a new graduate and you're like, oh, this person just opened their own practice. Like, why am I not? What are we doing? doing? <laughs> what am I doing yeah. wrong? Right? You're always comparing yourself. You're always feel like you're you have to always be that go 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 person yeah. you know the whole right i was reading this book called david uh by david goggins can't hurt me it's a really good book kind of like the whole mentality of pushing yourself to the limit kind of mm-hmm. i don't want that book right now <laughs> but then again that it's like you read that book and you're like okay like i should be pushing myself yeah. like you know yeah. i should be like just giving it everything but then at the same time it's like like what is it costing me it's like you know it's all yeah. mental exhaustion yeah. yeah at the end of the day is it worth it yeah right? is There's my mental co- health more important That's than right. what mm-hmm. i put out there in the world or my productivity is what's so you kind of have to find that balance and i feel like this generation we are having a really hard time finding that balance mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah we want to push ourselves and we're like we have so much potential but at the same time we overwork ourselves. Yeah, there's and, a cost, yeah. right? And I think you said that there, and I think that's important to recognize. There's a cost. Everything has a cost. Yes. It's, you get yeah. nothing for free. You know, there's so going to what you just said that that sort of pursuit of productivity. Yeah. You know, and and comparing what the influencers are doing, and that that's the frame of your world. And so there's you know there's wealth, right? Wealth is that that thing you want. Wealth buys mm-hmm. you freedom. Right. We're we're trying to earn money to buy ourselves freedom, to buy ourselves happiness, ironically. So wealth is sort of that money in the bank that's earning money while you sleep. You know, but there's status. Status is the dollar value that's in the bank. Status is the Lexus or the 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 Maserati. Right. Whereas wealth is the guy that's driving the Toyota because it's a damn good car. Yes. <laughs> and the money that's not invested in that Maserati yeah. is actually mm-hmm. earning more than the Maserati. <clears throat> yeah. And that's buying peace of mind. And so, you know, another saying I get this from uh, there's a, a an entrepreneur, the founder of uh, AngelList, his name is Nabal Ravikan. I would highly recommend anybody to listen to him. He's got wonderful, a lot of what I, I, I put on my, my uh, IG comes from him as well. And he talks about, you know, peace and happiness, right? And so, you know, the difference between peace and happiness. Well, peace is when you stop searching for happiness. And mm-hmm. so peace is, is happiness at rest and happiness yeah. is peace in motion. Right. And so they're not necessarily interchangeable. So I think that's, you, you know, what you're describing. And I think what I'm hearing from everyone, and, and it's, it's really actually quite simplistic is, is to the pursuit of what, Right? What are you pursuing? If you're pursuing others, if you're pursuing status, then that's that's a zero sum game. You're really in order to pursue status, in order to climb up a ladder, that means you have to displace someone below you. 
Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. going to create some dissonance. But a positive sum game is where everybody rises. Yeah. And that's what wealth is. Wealth is is everybody yeah. getting grows. more wealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think if if we can start to kind of frame ourselves in that way, it, it becomes, it feels better, right? You're not in conflict, in, internally conflicting, you know, your, yeah. your own actions. And your practices can can start to have that same notion, you know, yeah. can start to impart that those characteristics uh, on your staff and on your patients. And again, it's that cycle comes right Mm -hmm. back to you. Yeah. So I was listening to the try not to blink podcast as well. And Roya, Dr. Roya Habibi was answering her questions of, you know, what's, what's my new year's resolution um, and things like that. And she did say something that really stuck with me and has now changed my thought process of what I'm doing in life for January. Um, because I was feeling very unproductive in December since we were off of the podcast. I did absolutely nothing else aside from work and move into a new home. And I just felt that's like a lot? that's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot. But, but in, in my career or in, in the optometry world, I felt like I was lacking. I, we, we weren't doing anything. I literally just felt like a sloth. Like I was just like a waste of space, just doing nothing. (laughs) But, um, and I listened to that podcast and she said, you know, for this year, I don't really want to be aiming to be the, the best of the best or the greatest of all time. I'm not trying to aim to do something great with my career right now. She said, you know what, this year, I just, I want to pursue other things in my life. You know, I, I want to continue my career, be the best doctor that I can be, but I'm not trying to achieve more in, mm-hmm. in my career right now in optometry. I want to explore other things in my life. And I, I listened to that and I was like, you know, last year, so 2020, we started this podcast and we were very motivated and we, you know, we wanted to build this podcast and, you know, be the greatest and be up there and, and be recognized And now my perspective of this podcast and just me in general is, yeah, I just want to do this podcast so I can hang out with my friends every week, get to spend time with them, meet new people, talk to new people and have a good time. And then I still want to do my work and do other things, you know, around my house and with my family and friends. Like I don't care as much now for this podcast to be, you know, so much more. I'm I'm trying to just keep myself leveled and just think that, you know, I just want to relax mm-hmm. and be productive at my own time and mm-hmm. on my, at my own pace. Mm-hmm. It's like that middle ground of what deep on and Rav were just mentioning. Some people are saying it's okay to be lazy, take a breath, do nothing. And then other people are like, why are you wasting five minutes of your day? <laughs> you have to do everything. And I'm forcing myself to learn to just be in the middle, like yeah. be productive Mm-hmm. but at your own time. Yeah. And and not be sad if you're going to spend, you know, an hour sitting on the sofa eating and watching TV. Like that's yeah. fine to do don't that. Don't feel guilty yeah, about it's, that. It's don't feel guilty about it. Fantastic. Yeah. Look, I would love I want to do that right now. Like that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you get Well, two I could do both. I'm staring that. at my TV, so I can <laughs> I I am doing both. I'm I'm being productive and also relaxing. Like I don't feel that I don't feel the pressure now to yeah do a great podcast and, and have it be amazing and everyone love it. I don't, 
I don't put that pressure on me now compared to the pressure I put on myself back in March and April when we started. It's like way different now. So, That's yeah. great. That is wonderful. And look, you just pull the curtain a little bit and let everybody know how you were really feeling about mm-hmm. the podcast. I, yeah. All I can tell you is that you know, <laughs> I think you guys, I think the podcast is wonderful and you guys have had a, a huge reach great. had influence. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Don't, don't mm-hmm. try to achieve something that you don't know what it is. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. We're too yeah. we're worried too much about what's happening tomorrow and forgetting mm-hmm. about the present. So being yeah. present is, I think, foundationally the most important thing that we can all do, whether we're burning out yeah. exhausted is just, you know what, sitting down, taking that, that nap or, or watching TV or mm-hmm. playing with your kids or reading a book or learning optometry, if that's what you want mm-hmm. to do, you know, or doing it, but doing it guilt-free guilt, yeah. we yeah. remove that. And, and, and at the same time, recognizing as, as Ravenu was saying about the social dilemma, recognizing, you know, the, the framework that you've been put in, if you're on IG all day long, or if you're flipping through Facebook or mm-hmm. if you're, you know, watching your TikTok videos, that has all influenced you. And anything that you stumble upon is going to influence thought. Yeah. And if you really were to take a moment after we finish recording this tonight, take a moment, sit down and think about a thought entering your mind and think about whether you chose that thought to enter your mind or whether it just appeared. And if it just appeared and you had no choice in that, then how is any action, which is a uh, a, a, a result of several thoughts. How is any action really a choice? It's mm-hmm. influenced by something that's predetermined. Mm-hmm. So when we think about whether we're going to suffer over, you know, oh man, I'm not making enough money or I'm not doing as well as, as the next influencer or my practice isn't doing well right now. If we think about what we're going to worry about, then we're already going to worry about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So part of it is just recognizing those thoughts as they rise and see them fall. And I'll just kind of segue from this, you know, we talk about mental health and and burnout. My wife's a social worker. And I mentioned this in in the email that I sent you guys, you know, one of the things that they do that I think is is fantastic is they invest in self care. And, you know, as peers, we have an opportunity, you have an opportunity to talk to your peers, just off the cuff, but it's not really formalized. And so I've, I've actually thought about this in our practice about having uh, this this sort of social workers and mental health workers called supervision where mm-hmm. they just unpack the heaviness of their day or their week or their month or whatever. They unpack uh, profession-specific subjects, cases, kind of like you're doing on social media. But as I mentioned, social media can be a really negative beast and, and a little bit presumptuous. But if you have one-on-one peer-peer supervision, where you can unpack these difficult things. And it may be, look, I had to fire a staff that I've had on, on, on board for the last 10 years and I feel awful about it, but I had to do it. Maybe that's the conversation you need to have, but it's a conversation that should be structured, you know, mm-hmm. seeking out mental health help. Therapy is not, you know, a red letter word. It's not a, a swear word. Mm-hmm. Therapy is important. Investing in your mind should be just as important as investing in your health because it's part mm-hmm. of the same thing. Yeah. So I think if there's anything that we can we can do differently, it's investing in our mental health now more than ever as professionals who are providing a very essential service 
in an unprecedented time, not unlike our, our medical colleagues or our occupational therapist colleagues or our nurses or our frontline or our teachers. I'm not saying we're special. I'm yeah. saying that because we're not special, we have the same needs, which is mm-hmm. we need to talk about what the hell's going on. Yeah. I, like I said, I've been in contact with several colleagues and a few that I've been really worried about. One in particular that got really close to a really dark place. And I guarantee this is going to touch somebody somewhere. And I hope it does. And if it does, reach out to somebody close to you that might have an inkling of what you're going through and talk yeah. to them because, you know, the alternative is not really favorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a pleasant place to be. Yeah, we never thought about it before, which is why we wanted you to come back and talk about this, not just to teach us, but because we know that it's going to benefit whoever is listening to this podcast, you know, at least to hopefully convince someone to take the first step mm-hmm. and, you know, sign up for therapy and look for more resources and yeah, just talk to people. And even I think for people who don't think they might be going through sub something, I think even for our jobs, like our jobs are way more than just one or two. Like yeah. we're talking about how some of the cases we've dealt with, how we worry about our patients and how that, how mentally exhausting that is for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just talking about this case to someone you work with or yeah, your colleagues mm-hmm. or whatever can help unload a lot of that feeling and just mm-hmm. kind of help you get through it. So I think that's something we definitely learned where we're like, Oh, we just had a, I just had a patient that was this, and this is what I did. And I don't know if I handled that the best way or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we all just kind of talk about it and we're like, Oh yeah, this, this is good or this is bad or whatever. So it's just good to kind of talk about it and then let it out. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of us, we go through what we call like the high functioning anxiety Mm -hmm. you know where from the outside we appear calm we appear like motivated put together like these like yeah put together outgoing Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't realize like on the inside there's this dark side of you right where you're overthinking where Mm -hmm. you have this like negative self-talk you know you're pleasing people Mm -hmm. and it gets to a point where like you know you can't this person can't sleep but you know, yeah. to the outside world, it's just this successful, successful. person yeah. who looks yeah. successful, and and I think that yeah, definitely we need to start talking more about mental health. And you know, we lost a friend because of mental health, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's you just don't know what's happening behind closed doors, and you know, yeah. it's always that first initiative. You know, ask. How are you doing? You know, just mm-hmm. take that first step and, you know. And a genuine, how are you doing? Not like, how are you? I got to go in five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, there's a, uh, have you guys ever seen uh, Neil Brennan? Do you know who Neil Brennan is? He's a comedian. He's uh, one of the co-producers of uh, the Chappelle show. Anyways. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh. He has glasses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, I think it was him that was saying it. It could be wrong. I hope it's him. Anyways, he's like, yeah, you know, nowadays people don't even ask, how are you doing? They just say, you good? Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. they don't wait for the answer. They're just yeah. like, yeah. good? And yeah. then they move on. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you, you almost put the emphasis on them to say, yeah, you better be good. I better be good. Yeah. I'm trying to hear what I really want to say. Yeah. Yeah. This was like great. Yeah. I feel like we were just having like, this wasn't even a podcast. I feel like this is like a, <laughs> a chat sesh. Yeah, then, look, I want to come to, hey, when do I get to come to uh, 
a happy hour. I mean, I'll take part in that. No problem. We really <laughs> need to plan a big happy yeah, hour. We like, we'll bring you and uh, Harbi or Cyan over and just be like, yeah. hey, you guys could be the male energy in our <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much again, Richard, for coming on and sharing all of this. This is like a rare topic, I think, that is probably going to be brought up more this year after everyone has now experienced 2020. I know a lot of people don't want to go through those same motions again. So hopefully people are now actively trying to change their lifestyle or change their thoughts, change their habits to not go back into, you know, how they felt if it was a negative way in 2020. And um, I think this, this topic, your conversation the information from here is I hope it really helps even one person, you know, that would be, that mm-hmm. would be the best thing if it could help anybody. So, yeah. Thank you. Oh no. Thank you. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And hopefully uh, we do hear more of it. Like I said, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't heard enough of it and it's clearly out there amongst mm-hmm. our colleagues. So let's talk about it this year. Let's have a lot of conversation yeah. about what's going on in our heads and put it out on the table. Thank you to everyone for listening to Four Eyes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating to give us feedback on how we're doing. You can also check us out on Instagram at Four Eyes Optum for more content. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. So until then, stay tuned. Stay tuned.